Hi, this is Bill Hoppy, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter, and I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter and sports editor of the Niagara Gazette. And welcome to episode eight of Buffalo Press Box. Uh, Nick, we've done eight of these. It's hard to believe. Two months worth. Um, and we have a whole lot to discuss today because, I mean, just a wretched, really, loss by the Bills. Just, uh, I mean... I guess in hindsight, you could see this coming, but I mean, no one thought they were going to really lose to the Patriots. It seemed like a get well game. It was a game they, you know, just they they needed to play well to get back on track. And I mean, they were just, they were pretty awful for most of the game. And they had that late lead, but I mean, to lose to the Patriots, a one in five team, a team that had 30 points in the previous four games, I mean, you rank this as Sean McDermott's the worst loss of his, his his career in Buffalo. I mean, are the Bills on the brink? I mean, what's their status right now? I mean, as as you look at them, four and three. Well, right now they're still in the playoffs, right? Um, but I mean, it's they're so banged up on defense right now. It's really it looks kind of bleak. It, like the the the. The, the fire in the offense isn't there right now for most of the games. Um, they're just getting gashed on defense. It looks, right now it looks bleak, but, I mean, three weeks ago it looked like they were Super Bowl contenders. True. So, I mean, you can go back to that, but right now it looks it looks rough. And, yeah, I, I said it was Sean McDermott's worth of loss. I mean, if you look at it, you have to look at it in the grand scheme of things. If you look at it as an individual game, this is probably not his worst loss. Like you know, I mean, you look at the Peterman five interception game, that's out there. There's the game, <laughs> his first year against the Saints, where I think they hung fifty on him and ran all over him. Um, the nine six Jaguars loss, that was oh pretty yeah, that's bad the one, one that sticks out to me two um, years ago. A couple weeks later, the same. I mean, the Patriots ran for like two, or the Colts ran for like two hundred some yards and beat him like forty one fifteen or whatever. They, there's some bad ones out there. Um, but when you look at it, they came out slow against the Jaguars in London. And then they talked about, oh, we got to come out faster. We got to come out faster. We got to come out faster. And then they come out slower against the Giants and don't score for three quarters on a, a really wretched Giants team. Mm-hmm. And then for another week, talk about, we got to get it right. 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 And then come out slow again. Patriots go right down the field on them. Um, a, a team that's that scored 30 points in four games, hasn't scored 20 points since week one, and they go right down the field and kick a field goal. Um, and probably the only reason they didn't get a touchdown is because Belichick decided not to go for it on fourth down. Um, and then offense comes out, and Allen throws a bad pick on first down. So, I mean, to come out and just continue to play slow – for the offense to just not be able to get it going into the fourth quarter, three games in a row, like that's got to be something you can fix and something you can control. Just the idea of coming out and playing disciplined early in the game, and they haven't for for three games, and you know that falls on the coaching staff, like because I I think they're they're banging their heads against the wall, doing the same things over and over, thinking it's going to work, and it's just not right now. What what they've done. For the last seven years, what they've done for the last, you know, three, four years since they've really started to be good, it's not working the same way as it used to. And it's time to look in the mirror and say, even even game to game, 
this isn't working. We need to adjust. And, and they're just not doing that right now. So, you know, the offense, I mean, it's starting slowly, but it's just, uh, you know, I th- think you've referred to it as slow and reactionary. Just, just, just tell us what you mean by that. I mean, you kind of were talking about that a little bit, but just just what you mean uh, by, by, you know, slow and reactionary, I guess. So what the, the Bills, the Bills are averaging four, over four minutes per touchdown drive this season. They haven't averaged... They haven't averaged more than like 347 um, since 2020. Um, f- around almost 50% of their touchdown drives are 10 plays or longer. You know, they haven't had more than uh, 36 since 2020. So that tells you that they're much more methodical. They're not playing as fast. They're not playing as loose. And rather than coming out and maybe picking up the tempo a little bit and putting pressure on a defense. They're looking at the defense and saying, okay, this is how we're going to attack that defense, rather than saying the defense needs to, to figure out a way to stop us. And that's that's just not working. I mean, playing that methodical game, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's a really hard thing to do over and over and over again. Say, we need to sustain a 10-play drive on every drive. Like, it's just not feasible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not feasible to come out and play no huddle every drive. But the other, I mean, so you, you got to mix it up. You know, you got to find some some tempo. You got to you gotta control the clock a little bit. Like, but you just can't go one spectrum to the other. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, when I look at Ken Dorsey, I, I think he's looking for the perfect play in every play. It's... I'm going to draw, I'm going to come up with the perfect play on this play. And then the next play, I'm going to start from scratch and come up with the perfect play on the next play. Mm-hmm. So like they're, they're substituting almost on every play. I mean, the, I think the announcers on television talked about how, oh, he's Josh Allen's completed pass to nine different receivers. Well, that means nine different receivers played. Right. That is, that is, that was a very high number and I mean, uh, it, it speaks to what you're saying. I mean, Five receivers averaged more than twenty percent of the snaps this year. Like mm-hmm. that's a ton. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you see Trent Shirtfield in there all the time, and he, I mean, he's in there. It seems like he's in there all the time. He doesn't have a ton of catches, but it, I mean, you see them, you know, moving guys in and out, like you say, and guys that guys that don't really have an impact. I get, I would think, from my perspective, I don't know what you think of that, but I mean, they just there are guys. There are guys who have talked about how, how difficult sometimes it is to get into a flow when you're mm-hmm. in for play. You're in for one play, and then they take you out for a play. Right. And then you're back in, and then you're out. Like That that can be tough. Um, but they're, you're, they're trying to play the matchup game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to match up this, or I'm going to make them match up with me. Well, you, know, you saw they go down 12, and all of a sudden they got to move a little bit faster, so they stay with the same people. They don't. St- I think they subbed once on that drive. Mm-hmm. They had subbed like a, almost 50 times on 71 plays. But they didn't. They only sub like once or twice on that drive. Mm-hmm. Well, they go down the field in five plays and score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, sometimes you just have to, when you're playing that slow, methodical game, and then you're subbing on every play. It's like okay, even even if you get you know uh, a ten yard gain and then a twenty yard gain, when you're slowing the game down after that and subbing and you're letting the defense kind of 
reset a little bit. You let them catch their breath. You're letting them substitute. And because when the offense subs, the defense is allowed to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're kind of letting them reset. Whereas if you're keeping keeping the same personnel on the field, the defense can sub, but it's it's more risky. Like they, they're not going to stop the game for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if the offense subs, the referees have to stop the game. Let the defense match, but not vice. But not not if the offense doesn't sub. So when you're when you're not subbing, you're going on the field and you're putting pressure on the defense. You've got them on your heels. I mean, it, it's they have to kind of they have to you know they can't if you're getting to the line right away they they got to get to the line right away too. So things become a little more simplistic on both sides of the ball, um, both for the offense and allows them to think a little more clearly, and the defense has to kind of dumb things down a little bit and just go with some of their best stuff because there's not enough time to you know make checks at the line of scrimmage or things like that and play that chess game interesting so you you wrote today about josh allen and just uh how they've kind of put the clamps on him in some ways and he's just he's not that explosive player he was and i want you need to explain something now he so he's he said this the was it today or, today. or Monday? To, he, he's practicing low positive and he's conserving energy and he wants to just have a clear mental state. Can you explain that, I guess? So I guess uh, I, I did a whole lot of Googling. It was hard to find hard to find where, where he came up with this. But he said <laughs> after the first game, he tried to, he's been practicing this, this low positive where it, essentially it conserves your energy. Um, you don't show emotions, things of that nature. And that's supposed to transfer all of that that other energy to clear your mind and free your mind so you can think clearly. Um, and that's why I think you, you see him a little more docile on the sidelines than maybe you have in the mm-hmm. past. And even on the field a little bit. You, you know, he's not that trash. He doesn't look like that trash-talking, in-your-face guy as much. Um, it was... It's a pretty surreal uh, uh, story that he told. I mean, you're 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 looking at it, and it's you know he's well, maybe maybe I need to go back to being that other guy, you know, or you know, like he's he's it's almost it's it's hard to it's hard to tell whether he's he was being honest about it mm-hmm. and kind of working it out, you know, what he should do in front of everybody or. He's just kind of, uh, you know, saying something to get the pressure off of everybody else, which I I, I don't know. I, I I would assume he's probably practiced. He's probably being truthful, um, but it was. I mean, it, it's whatever he's doing is not working. Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, there are there is some there is some onus that goes on the coaching staff for trying to make him this this pure pocket passer um because he's not that guy he he's he he needs to run you need to let him be himself you need to let him create and get in people's faces and mm-hmm. be that trash talking guy because that's who he is but you also don't need him to try and run over people all the time you can have some balance um you know, and in fact, the numbers the numbers skew that way. The Bills are are three and five, and he's thrown nine touchdowns and thirteen interceptions when he runs for more than 
80 yards in a game. But they're 12-1, and one, um, and he's thrown 27 touchdowns and 7 interceptions when he runs for between 50 and 79 yards. Hmm. So you want him to find that sweet spot. Um, but right now, I mean, he's he, over his career, he's averaged like 8, eight attempts per game in somewhere like somewhere a little over 40 yards per game and then this year both of those numbers are cut in half and i think they they lose some of that they lose some of that 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 at edge with the offense where you don't know what he's going to do the defense doesn't know like there's no threat for him to run they don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about it i mean him him taking off and running is that's a significant threat for for a defense um it's just not there and i think that you know when he breaks off one of those runs that gives him some juice that gives the offense some juice of course and and it's not there there's just no no energy and you see it a lot where like it's like okay i'm gonna i'm thinking about running on this play and then he gets to the line of scrimmage and then stops almost like he's trapped by an invisible fence Mm -hmm. like he's like i don't think i should do this like even that first interception of the season against the Jets, he could have run for a first down. He could have run for 20 yards. And then all of a sudden he gets to the line of scrimmage and it's like, uh, and then chucks it deep and gets picked off. Like there's no way to me that, that Josh Allen without, without overthinking it in the past, wouldn't have run. Mm-hmm. And I, some of it is, some of it is the coaching staff, but some of it is him because he talked about it. I mean, this has always been a thing. Is, you know, the coaches say, well, we need him to protect himself. We need him to protect himself, this and that. He started talking about it right before the draft, like the idea that he's getting older and, and you know, his body isn't going to hold up forever if he keeps taking these hits. So somewhere on the long, along the line, somebody told him or somebody finally convinced him that he needed to play differently. Well, he's not the same guy. No. And I, to be the same guy, I think he's got to get some of that back. And I don't. We'll see if it happens. It's hard. Sometimes, sometimes you don't get it back. Once you lose it, you don't get it back. I mean, um, he even said like, "We'll see on, on Thursday." So, I, it's it's a tough deal because he's still very good, but it's not. You're just not watching the same guy right now. Oh, definitely not. I mean, he struggling against the blitz. He, to to me, he just doesn't look like. I mean, the franchise court, whatever whatever term you want to use, the one of the the league's elite players. He he just he he's lost his his mojo. I guess. I mean, he was running for his life against the Patriots. This is a guy coming into the game who wasn't. You know, for a while, for a while, first few years, he's one of the most blitz guys in the league. And then he just torched the blitz and it kind of stopped a little bit. He was before Sunday, he was one of the least blitz guys in the league. Patriots blitzed him sixteen times. And he was running for his life. A good chunk of those were on him because it was just okay, you know, when a when a free rusher comes, you throw it to where he came from. And for whatever reason, and a lot of times he didn't do that. You know, when when they talk about take what the defense gives you, that's that's an instance. Like instead of getting hit Throw to the hot, throw to the hot receiver, mm-hmm. and get the ball out of your hands. Like you want to worry about getting hit when you run. Well, doesn't matter where you when you get hit. Like <laughs> a hit is a hit. So if you don't want to get hit running, you probably don't want to get hit in the pocket either. So just get rid of the ball. 
and uh, I, I don't know. I, that that was a, a tough one to see for him. Like it was just he's usually so good against the blitz, and he was not on Sunday. So you compared him, and I should let me let me add a couple things to this. You, you were rattling off those Josh Allen numbers a few minutes ago without even looking. I mean, I don't even know if you have them written down. I mean, you committed to memory. That's impressive. And in, in your story today, you, you compare him to uh, Rick Wilding Vaughn, not in Major League, not not major in league two. Major League Two. I mean, a Major League Two reference. I mean, that uh, a movie I just told you I've never seen. I, I, I don't care to see it. To me, Major League is uh, close to a classic. Well, I mean, um, Wesley Snipes wasn't even in Major League 2. It was no, Omar Epps, right? No offense to Omar Epps, but he's not Wesley Snipes. That, that, that took some juice from Willie, the movie. But he's it's still Willie Mays Hayes. It's still Willie second. Mays Hayes, but it, <laughs> he, didn't play it, he didn't play it as well as, as Wesley Snipes did in the original. There's so many great Wesley Snipes scenes in that movie, but I think my favorite is when in spring training he gets caught stealing and he flips off the guy when he gets tagged. I just, to me, that's a an underrated moment in that film. Well, I think the best the best part is when they they carry him out in, the, in his bed. Oh yeah, like, oh they cut me already. Yeah, he wakes up in the parking lot and like yeah. uh, the spring training complex and yeah, but they they bring him back when he like beats a guy in his pajamas, right? Right, all the way from. <laughs> <laughs> what a, such a ridiculous movie. But yeah, Major League Two, uh, I've never seen it. Major League, whatever, three, Back to the Minors. I, I haven't seen, seen the it. Back to the Minors. Is Scott Bakula in that one? Yes, he is. He well, is. that's probably not worth seeing, is it? <laughs> um, so, but anyway. All right, so um, so the the defense. I mean, the defense is obviously, it's it's pretty bad, right? I mean, they're, they're missing Matt Milano. I mean, they're missing... All these guys, but they—I mean—they have not been good. I mean, what? What? I guess it's not going to be the same defense without those guys. But uh, what? What can they do to, from from your perspective, to just get back on track and be a, a, a like a the defense at least some of what we know we know it for these past few years. Well, I think getting that Oliver back Thursday is going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and he should. It looks he looked pretty spry. In, in, in practice Tuesday in a very, very limited time that we got to watch. Mm-hmm. Um because I mean when you're down to you're down to three defensive tackles. Well they played four defensive tackles on Sunday. One of them was a guy who was inactive for four weeks and the other guy was from a practice squad. So No that's um uh Puna Ford was, was inactive for the first four mm-hmm. weeks and then Kendall Vickers came up from the practice oh, squad. Um, and then Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle got the lion's share of the load. And that's, I mean, those are your third and fourth defensive tackles normally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Daquan Jones was around uh, after the game. Um, uh, the, the, the last game uh, against the Giants, he was coming out of the locker room when we went in, and he was around Tuesday in the locker room. So maybe, maybe they, they can – they can get him back at the end of the year. Um, but having that Oliver back, that's going to help. Um, but the other one, they they just have to, have to be a little more sound. Like I talked to Terrell Bernard, and he didn't think they had to change anything. But, you know, they're, they're 26th in yards per play in the NFL. Um, they're 31st in rushing yards per, per carry. Wow. 
like it's almost reminiscent of like that the 2011 year where they started hot with Fitz Fitz mm-hmm. Magic, where they getting all those turnovers, and you kind of glossed over the fact that they were just getting gutted, and then eventually the turnover stopped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drayton Florence touchdown, right? Right. Well, because that's what happens. Eventually, sacks and turnovers are, are are not going to be able to carry you throughout the year, mm-hmm. and they did early in the season. So they have to get better cornerback play. Uh, they have to get better safety play. And and Sean McDermott's got to change a little bit of, of what he's doing. Like, both against um, the Jaguars and against the, the Patriots, he was more aggressive than normal, and it didn't work. Um, he kept sending the blitz, and they just kept carving it up. I think Lawrence was 6-for-8 for 80-some yards against the Bills, against the Blitz, and then Mac Jones was like 8-for-9 for for like 100 yards against the Blitz. And he just kept sending it. Now, when stuff isn't working, um, you're kind of trying to throw everything you can against the wall. But I don't know. if both Mac Jones was getting the ball out of his hands so quick. I I don't know. You weren't going to get there. So what's the point? Like, why not just try and play coverage? Try and get more out of your disguises, something that they used to do very, very well. Um, and, and they didn't. They just kind of he just kind of kept sending the heat, and it wasn't it wasn't there. And I, I don't think that's going to be that won't be advantageous for him um, against the Buccaneers, who have one of the better offensive lines in the league. I mean, teams just don't even pressure Baker Mayfield at this point. Where's uh, Von Miller at this point? I mean, I don't think we've really noticed him that much, and that's not a criticism. I mean, he's well, coming... he played six snaps on Sunday, right? I mean, he, he's coming back from, uh, I mean, you know, the, whatever the ACL, and he's what two games back. I mean, it was eleven months ago, and he's. I mean, obviously, he's not going to be himself, but they're they're using him very limited, as you say. Just what have you have you have you noticed anything from him? Have you seen him like just? Uh, I assume you haven't seen that burst yet, we all know. No. And, (laughs) I mean, he was in such a hurry to get back, and everybody was in such a hurry to have him back. Mm -hmm. Fans, that is. Uh, That you lose sight of things. Like, everybody was so worried. Like, Tredavious White took the full 12 months to come back. Mm -hmm. And everybody was, you know, because they brought him off IR and then signed him to the active roster, and then still, even after his window... That twenty-one day window was mm-hmm. up. He still wasn't wasn't on the field yet. I think he was inactive for a game before he actually finally got on the field. But they have to place him on the roster at that. But point, they had right? to place him on the roster, so he was technically a healthy mm-hmm. scratch. But you know, people kind of were like, "What's wrong with him? What is he in his own head?" And blah 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 blah. Well, maybe he just wasn't ready to be back yet. Mm-hmm. And it's fair to wonder if Von Miller's in that same place. He's clearly mentally ready to play, but physically he's not. He's just not there yet. I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know if he's kind of lost a step or doesn't have that step back. Because they were talking to Tredavious White even after he came back last year, he still wasn't himself. Um, and you could argue, at the time that he popped his Achilles, he still quite was, wasn't quite what he was before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean. And and this is a case where where Vaughn is thirty thirty four, um, 
you can wonder if he's ever going to be Von Miller again. Um, that's a, that's fair to wonder. Um, he's a pretty you you see him, um, whether it's on TV or up close, he's a physical specimen. I mean, he's he's an incredible physical shape, um, but he's thirty four, so maybe we don't see the same Von Miller again. Um, but I I think I think it was always unfair to expect him to be Von Miller, the the All Pro Hall of Fame pass rusher as soon as he came back right right all right so you have the bucks coming to town um not long ago this was a game like yeah the bills are gonna win i mean the tampa bay's decent i guess pretty good um but the game the bills win but now i mean now all bets are off for any game in my opinion until they prove otherwise uh, just uh, what do you what are your expectations for Thursday's game? And well, I want to. Sc- are you going to give us a score? Probably not. But my wife, my wife read me the riot act because I don't give you the scores. Well, <laughs> she was right to do that. Well, she was just probably just looking for a reason to give me the riot act. Um, but for the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers. I mean, I, I don't think that you can envision them in the Super Bowl. Right. At this point in the year, they don't even look like a playoff team, but they're better than they're better than the Giants and they're better than the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker Mayfield, it looked like his career was over for a while there. Like he, they the the Browns preferred Deshaun Watson over him, and then he goes to the Rams as just kind of a or he went to the Panthers and they the, waved he was him. On the Panthers, yeah. And then he they, wound up with the Rams, and then he wound up with the Rams, and now just kind of under under the radar signing with the Buccaneers. And he's been decent. And like you said, you know, he's a guy who used to like to hold on to the ball quite a bit. Um, he doesn't have to run for his life so much anymore, and he's got good weapons. I mean, this is going to be the biggest test for Benford and Jackson since Trey White got hurt mm-hmm. with, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Um, they have to play well. The Bills, the Bills, if the Bills don't come out fast in this game, they're going to lose. And it might be ugly. Uh, wow, strong words. Well, I mean, if they don't come out fast, right? If they don't come out fast for a fourth game in a row and lose, I think you might. Then you start talking about changes. Whether it's uh, they're not going to fire Ken, they're not going to fire Sean McDermott, but you might put uh, Ken Dorsey's job on the line in that scenario. Jeez. So, all right, no score, but do you think they'll win? I do think they'll win. I think it's hard to envision that they're going to come out sluggish again for a fourth game in a row. Um, you know, you kind of move past the idea of them flexing their muscles. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out if they, you have to figure out again if they still have muscles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with Cincinnati coming up, um, they need to get back on track. Otherwise, it could be a really, really rough stretch. For sure, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my prediction: twenty-seven seventeen. 27-17, that's, that's a fair prediction. Um, I'll go... Oh, here we go. I don't like doing this, Bill. And don't say uh, don't say 26-16. Um, 31-21. All right, all right. We're going with 10 points, but you, you're upping it a little bit. Yes, yes, upping it a little bit. On the surface, it feels like it should be a, at least a 10-point win because they're at home. Right, so. right. 
All right, Bill. Well, it it for a while it looked like the the Bills weren't the only Buffalo team on the brink here. Uh, <laughs> the Sabers started off rough, 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 rough. Um, and it, for a while it looked like um, you know preseason predictions may have 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 fallen through the cracks here, but um, they 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 get a win against the Islanders on Saturday. They really outplay the, the Canadians for most of the game and still lose. Yeah, they did. And then they come out and they just thump the Senators for two periods, five to one, and then decide that, that the game was over before the horn ended and were lucky to get out of there with a win. So what do you make of the Sabres here? Well, I don't think their start, their start was certainly underwhelming. And I wrote that um, after Monday's game that – you know that loss, that home loss to the Canadians moves it and moves their start into the concerning category because they were in last place in their division. And I, I realize it's October twenty, whatever, and they're whatever six games in, and there's plenty of time. And and a lo- another loss or two isn't going to ruin the season. But I mean, it, it's it's getting to that that time a couple weeks in. Where if if you're a few points back, uh, if you're in the basement of the division, I mean, you got to get going. You're going to have a very tough climb. I mean, the NHLs we've talked about traditionally, the teams that are slotted in playoff spots around Thanksgiving, December first, whatever, whatever, around that time, they're usually the ones who make it. So, I mean, your start really carries you the whole year, and <laughs> Sabers obviously don't want to be climbing climbing out, uh, you know, for, for five months. So, uh, but they responded well, uh, Tuesday in, in Ottawa. It was, it was, uh, really, I mean, they were, I mean, for 55 minutes, they were really, really good in my opinion. And they almost let it slip away, which you should be concerned about, but it was still, it was still a good win. Um, and I think they just, honestly, they carried it over from Monday. Um, uh, they were the better team against the Canadians. They generated a lot. They just, I don't think they paid a price and went to the net, got one of the dirty goals. And I think they paid more of a price Tuesday in, in Ottawa. And, and you saw the result. I mean, that was on its way to being a, a pretty convincing win until the end. But I mean, either way, I mean, they won a road game, a divisional road game. They scored six goals, um, a, a nice win for them. And I think with the start, it's it's been a really weird start because we haven't we haven't seen really the team we expected. They've been in every game really, even the even that Rangers loss opening night. They got back into in the third period, and there was an opportunity for them to uh, do something late. But every game they've been in. So I mean, while you're underwhelmed by it, by the way some of these guys have performed, I mean, they've been right there. But what was missing for the first week or so was just a, really a signature performance. The way we knew they they could play, they could just you know aggressive, coming at you in waves, imposing their will on a team, and they had that against the Islanders on Saturday. Um, I mean, just really uh, a game, a three to one game that felt like it was five nothing. It was it was it was that good. They were that good, and that's something they really needed just to, just to get out there and. And show we're still that team, and, and they did. And uh, now they've won. They've won two out of three, and, and they're. I mean, not the best start, but I mean, they they have to be feeling better, much better about themselves after the last couple, the last two or three here. So you you wrote a story about Tage Thompson the other day, um, and he's been really frustrated. He had a 
He he snapped his stick like Bo Jackson snapped a bat over his knee. Uh, actually, Tage is uh, Tage is a pretty fierce competitor, and uh, sometimes you you see that come out, and when he just the elation, the the he's so pumped up from a goal, but you really don't see him uh, show a lot of outward emotion like he did breaking his stick. But anyway, go ahead. Well, so I think he had what he had uh, twenty-two shots over two games, something like that, and he, didn't have a goal or had one goal. Well, he had ten shots against the Islanders, and he had uh, I think five more on Monday, uh, and then a whole lot of attempts too. So I mean, he he was right there, and he, you under- generating he's generating opportunities. They're just not going in the net. Correct, and if he, I mean if he keeps doing that realistically, I mean he's a guy that can certainly finish. I mean he's going to start scoring, and he had. He had two against the Senators. One was an empty netter, and um, it's still a great goal. He made a great play. No, it was as far as empty netters go. Uh, that's that wasn't that wasn't an, a, a so-called empty netter. No, it wasn't a pad the stats goal. That was the way the goal was scored. Just the effort. Just and they were saying on the TV broadcast too. And it looks like if you watch it, like I mean, was he even trying to score? I think he was just trying to get the puck, you know, out of the neutral zone there. And just, it just, uh, and to give them that cushion back, obviously, was huge. But um, he scored earlier in the game. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna break out, and maybe he did against the Senators. I mean, he was just so close. I mean, if he has that many opportunities, he's gonna score. So he was, he, he's in a good spot now. I think he was. They've been, they've been kind of tinkering with that line of Thompson, Skinner, Tuck. Uh, Skinner has started to play well. I think after the Senators game, he's got five goals. Yeah, he's been their best. Offensive threat by far. Uh, Tuck is more than Thompson. Tuck has struggled. Yes, and it looked like he kind of got got back on track against the Senators. Uh, had the Gordie Howe hat trick. Uh, took one on the took one right in the kisser before he left that game uh, <laughs> from from Kachuk. Um, but is this is this the is this the game to get to get Alex Tuck going? Yeah, I mean certainly. I mean if you if you you know. If you score a goal, set up another one, have a fight at the end, um, certainly that can get you going. And it, it just not—I mean, not a good start for him, quite honestly. You just—you didn't really notice him much in games. Um, maybe he's dealing with an injury we don't know about. I'm not sure, but um, I, th- I think he's finding his stride a bit. Beside Casey Middlestat and and uh, Jeff, see, he's still with Jeff Skinner, but. It, I, the ability to to flip him beside flip your top two wingers beside Casey Middlestead it's 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 a very very good option that illustrates the Sabers depth I mean uh, at some point I'm sure that the Thompson Skinner Tuck line will be reunited but uh, I mean to to have the ability to move up a center like Casey Middlestead between those guys and to have the ability to move up Dylan Cousins to the wing beside Tage Thompson and Jordan Greenway. I mean, this, these are options the Sabres never really had for years and years and years. And I think all these guys like playing with each other, and I think it's something they're excited about. And we've seen some positive results from these line changes. But Alex Tuck, yeah, I mean, he's, he's you know, some of these guys you have, whatever, four or five game slump in the middle of the season you have an whatever you're pointless you have an assist or whatever you don't really quite notice but when it's at the start of the year when the team isn't is, is underperforming i mean it's amplified and certainly it's amplified but i think just getting one and and getting getting them in a in a 
significant road win and and the fight, I think that, that could certainly get him going. Now, I, I know Rob Ray would love to take the to have the fight take credit for Ottawa's comeback there at the end of the game, but I think uh, I think that was more the Sabers just kind of deciding the game was over before it was. I'm not sure what happened if they let their foot off the gas or what, but I mean that was yeah. I mean if you were following Twitter in that game, people were losing their mind. I'm pretty sure it's called X now. Whatever. Um, if you were on a blue sky during that game, Sabres fans were... Threads. Threads. Um, giving up on threads. Threads. Yeah, I haven't logged in recently. Um, it wasn't generating no. much of anything. No. But, um, but yeah, I mean, in the Sabres, I mean, they have a lot of tough games coming up. They have New Jersey, a heavyweight on Friday. They have the Avalanche at home Sunday. So... The Senators, uh, it was a game they, after losing to the Canadians, certainly they, they really needed that win. Um, Zach Benson was considered a healthy scratch for for the Senators game, was he not? He, oh, he was technically available? No, he, he played a Levi sat. There and, we go. Um, That's right. Uh, Benson set the previous two, so he's played whatever it is. Losing um, track of the days. <laughs> Play so much now. He's, he's played, I guess, five games now, so they have... Um, it's coming up in his 10 games, excuse me, nine games when they have to make a decision. And um, and Patrick Kane's getting closer. Oh, right? boy. But here we go with that. But, you know, Zach Every ben- day until he, until he gets there. <laughs> Zach, Zach Benson, uh, a week ago, I, I, I think I said I thought he was going to stay. It's just, um, just because he filled a need uh, as a, a right wing on, a, on the third line. I mean, he had been impressive in his early games. And he, I mean, he... He did not have a good game last week against the Flames. And, I mean, that's all right. I mean, he's in his basically his first month in the NHL, and he's 18 years old. I mean, but uh, that, maybe that, that game underscored he's a little he's, – he's still very raw. So they have a decision coming up. Now, I hope I, – I don't think Sean McDermott is going to listen to this podcast, but – because, like, the, Bill, the Bills like to use, like, the NFL as a week-to-week league or game-to-game mm-hmm. league. I mean, you hate hearing it because you hear it so much. But pro sports, that's real. It's like this is this is a game-to-game thing. And you've got a guy who looks like surefire he's staying. And now, maybe, maybe not. Like, that's – it's yeah, no, things it's change true. just so fast in, in pro sports. Yeah, and that, that Calgary Flame, it, it, it showed that he's – He's 18 years old and he's 160. You know what I mean? It show it, it kind of exposed everything. And then again, that's okay. I mean, he's we're, we're what three four months from the draft and he's playing in the NHL and he was the 13th overall pick. You're not ready to call him a bust. <laughs> One of the reasons I, I I thought he or I still think there's a very good chance he could stay is because they the Sabers really don't. I mean, you look at their options to fill that. That's if if they send him back to junior. What are their options? They have right now. They have Tyson Jost as a spare forward, who's a very good spare forward. He's he's played mostly center with the Sabers, but I mean, I don't know if he's a guy you really want to slide in on what what you believe is a scoring line, regularly at least. Um, they have Matt Savoy, who's starting a conditioning assignment with the Rochester Amherst. Um, uh, if he impresses during that, maybe they'll give him a look, but. There aren't really a ton of options. I mean, they have certainly some strong prospects in the AHL, like Yuri Kulik and Isaac Rosane, and, and even like Brandon Byro, an older guy who was undrafted. 
But, uh, I mean, based on training camp, at least Isaac Rosane and, and Yuri Kulik probably aren't ready for full-time NHL duty. So as much as they've built up their depth and they have intriguing options, I mean, I don't know if they really have anyone to, to fill that. So maybe that works in Zach Benson's favor. So we, we saw a healthy dose of Devin Levi until he got hurt there. Um, I think two games in a row from Comrie. Mm-hmm. UPL got got the his first nod against the Senators and started well, didn't end so well. <laughs> what do you make of the three guys between the pipes so far? They, I think they've all had their moments. And, and honestly, like uh, Uka Pekka, I, I thought he played well against the uh, Senators. I, I don't think... Uh, you can pin that that late collapse on him. So I think he's earned another start. I don't know if it's the next game or next week or next month, but I think he's earned another one. And again, this is a this is a good problem to have for the Sabres. I mean, they're all assets. They've all played well this year. Devin Levi, first three games, I thought he was he was strong. The Flames game, I didn't think he was that great. But again, he's. He's playing his 11th NHL game. He's months out of college. I mean, he's doing something no one's done before. So you give him a mulligan. I mean, you're going to have a bad game here or there. Eric Comrie stepped in two very strong performances from him. And I think he'll get another nod either Friday or Sunday. I mean, it depends on Levi's health. And Uka Pekka, I mean, he hadn't played in a while. I mean, he set out most of the end of the regular season there. He he played a couple of preseason games, but he hasn't had a lot of action in a long really since March. So for his first game, he was he was strong. So I mean, three goalies, and it's probably gonna be three goalies for the foreseeable future. What do you call UPL when you want to get his attention in the locker room? Um, Uka Pekka. What 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 do his teammates call him? Uh, Upi. Is one of the nicknames his, at UPL. Well, hockey players aren't very clever with nicknames. No, uh, but <laughs> but his parents didn't do him any favors with that with that with a hyphenated nickname. Well, try putting his name in a headline is like, I mean, because you can't call him UP like like JP Dumont, right? Or Jean Luc Grandpierre. I mean, those guys, poor guys. Poor guys in their in their in their names. They're well, I mean, my problem is just fitting it in the headline. It really is difficult to fit in a headline. It's, it's, it's. I just shorten it to UPL. Um, <laughs> Matthew Savoy. He's he's headed for a for a rehab stint with the Amherst. Um, what does he have to do with the Amherst to to turn some heads with the Sabers? Will he get Will he get some some NHL games regardless? Um, once he's fully healthy, I don't think. Regardless, um, I think he has. To, I think he has to prove he's ready for pro hockey. And I mean, he's very obviously very talented. He seems very mature. Uh, he played two games for the Amherst during the Calder Cup playoffs last year after after his junior season ended. And I mean, immature, or mature. No, he he's he's mature. Trust me. <laughs> um, but he you know he played two games for the Amherst uh, during the whatever, the, the Eastern Conference final. And, uh, I mean, he really didn't stand out. I don't think he was bad, but he, he certainly didn't stand out. So uh, I think he has to he has to turn some heads if he's going to get a look from the Sabres. Um, so, so you think he could go to juniors without getting any – once he's healthy, he could go back to juniors without getting a game with the Sabres? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I, I he, he – um, 
if he can't, I mean, if he he can be there, whatever, fourteen game, fourteen days, excuse me. Uh, I think they have six games in that stretch. So, I mean, if he goes, if I mean, if he goes through the that stretch and has, you know, an assist or you know, two points. I mean, and not to just base it all on you know, offensive production or what the stat sheet, but I mean. I mean, if he, if he underwhelms, if he if he still looks raw, then yeah, I mean, if he's not ready, if he's not quite there for the AHL, he's not going to be there for the NHL. So yeah, I think he has to, I think he has to have an impact, and and, and it's going to be difficult. I mean, certainly he's talented, and 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 will, in my opinion, be a pretty good player someday. But I mean, he missed all of training camp. I mean, he he hasn't played a game now in uh, whatever. 40 whatever since whatever september 18th so five weeks i mean i mean he's gonna be rusty so um i don't think you should judge him based on wednesday's game against charlotte or friday but i mean as a whole he's gonna have to do something and i mean they're gonna put him in positions to succeed i think i mean he'll play on a top line maybe he'll get maybe he'll get on the power play and this is interesting just from the standpoint is he can't go back. I mean, he can't play in the NHL regular, excuse me, the AHL regularly because he's junior age uh, with the Canadian Hockey League team. So it, it's unless the Sabres petition, you know. Explain to people why he can't play, but Yuri Kulik can. Okay, so <laughs> if you're. For those who don't know. If your rights are owned by a Canadian Hockey League team. Uh, which is the Western Hockey League, Ontario Hockey League, and uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. You can't play in the NA- You can't play regularly in the American Hockey League as a teenager. Um, if you drafted and agree to go to one of those Canadian teams, right? There are some um, uh, there are some ways around it. Um, but I mean, you can play in the AHL if your junior team season's over like Matt Savoy did last year when the Winnipeg ice were eliminated from the playoffs. And I, I, I guess you can get conditioning assignments. Um, it's the CBA is very, can be a little difficult to understand, but he's eligible for a conditioning assignment. I remember in the past when Sabres tried to send Miguel, Mikhail Grigorenko on one and he wasn't, but, um, he's eligible for this, uh, this conditioning assignment. And, I mean, if maybe the Sabres petition the Canadian Hockey League and and, and say, you know, he, he's played four years a junior. Um, there's been coaching changes with his junior teams in the Wenatchee Wild. I mean, maybe they they get they get some positive news, but I mean, there's a good chance he's going to go back to junior. Now there are I should add, pe- people are saying might be saying I remember. Alexander Nylander played in the OHL, and he started in Rochester. Apparently, apparently that was different because he was loaned by his European team to the uh, Mississauga franchise, or, or now, I forget and, which team he played for. But, but then yeah. Owen Power too, when Owen Power um, left Michigan right. and went to the Sabres, he wasn't eligible to then go to the Amherst after that year either. Actually, he—he, he, I, I believe he was. It was just they didn't want to send him, or. Now I'm getting confused. I don't think he was eligible. Well, there's a lot of different rules with it. But that's, I, I, I think that's the point. It's ridiculous. Well, um, but I mean, it, it's I mean, it's to, the, the the rules for the junior 
for the Canadian Hockey League are to protect the junior teams because those guys, I mean, guys like Matt Savoy are the guys people well, come to see. They're the stars. I, and, I, but and, I, I think the junior teams can use some. I think those junior leagues, that whole system could use some overhauling. Yeah, I, know, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, yeah, it definitely, they could use a little pay raise. They could use a lot of other things, I think. The idea that you leave home at, at as a teenager is, a, I, don't, I don't think that's ever going to sit right with me. Just the idea that I'm going to leave at, driving age to go play hockey to in all intents and purposes become a pro hockey player yeah i mean it, it's 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 unique i mean but that's that's it's always it's kind of always been that way or at least for a while so and i, I don't see it changing you gotta be the you gotta be the the catalyst for change bill okay um before we get going here uh casey middlestat i think he's he may be their 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 best player right now um, at least offensively as a forward. Um, you've written quite extensively about him. You've been you've been on the Casey Middlestat bandwagon before anybody else. <laughs> um, what are you seeing from him? Well, I see a player that's uh, a lot more physically mature, a lot more engaged than he was in the past. And, I mean, that's not a knock on him uh, because, I mean, it, it takes time. And he was a guy – that was rushed to the NHL when he probably wasn't ready as a teenager. So, uh, I mean, he, in the Islanders game on Saturday, he had two terrific assists where he, one t- one he kind of danced down the slot, and another time he he kind of got knocked off the puck a little, but he stayed on it and he fed Matias Samuelson. But, I mean, there were some other plays in that game that no one probably remembers, but, I mean, he just winning puck battles, and, and, and that's so huge because when you can win, win puck battles with his skill and his hockey sense, I mean, that's going to really, really uh, be beneficial. And in, and against the Senators, he set up two goals, and one of the goals was set up, I mean, he got the assist because he blocked a shot, and, and it's just he's a lot more aggressive and engaged than he used to be. And I think we're we've seen over the past whatever uh, year. I, I mean, just a, a, ra- a rapid maturation. We saw maturation two years ago um, uh, before he got, or I guess it was the end of. I'm trying to go back here. Uh, was it? Uh, tw- I'm sorry, 21, 22. He he got hurt, but we had seen a maturation before that, and and he he got going a bit after he overcame those injuries. And last year he was he was struggling at even strength, but he got going. He got on a tear, and now we're seeing kind of that next level. And maybe I mean he he's a guy. I mean I don't think it's a stretch to say he could have seventy points. I mean he he's twenty four years old. I, I that's another one of the crazy things about the NHL, uh, the NBA, uh, even MLB. Like you're writing a kid off before he's in the prime of his life. Yeah, and, and like when they're not to interrupt, but like yeah, when they're put in difficult situations too. I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a chance he's playing himself out of Buffalo. Well, I mean, there. I mean, in a good way. I mean, there. If the I mean, if the Sabers, if if these guys become what we think they become, they're gonna they're gonna need big contracts, and at some point, someone's gonna have to go. So. I can tell you he loves it here though. Um he's 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 been through a lot here but he's he's a guy that really 
I think is well liked in that locker room, and he, uh, just because of the guy he is. He's, There's decisions that would have to be made though to extend him. I think if he keeps continuing at this rate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think they would definitely want to extend him. I mean, be a lot of money though. I mean, he's yeah. playing himself into, you know, five million dollar territory. I would say because I mean, he could have. You know, I mean, there's no reason he can't have 70 point, 25 goals, 70 points in the NHL. Right, right. All right, Bill. Uh, they they brought pride tape back. What do you make of that? Well, I think it's good. Um, I don't know why it went. Well, <laughs> I guess I do know why it went <laughs> away. But, I mean, yeah, they brought it back. It should have never gone away. Um, they just bungled that whole deal. Like, they made it like you get the bigots who say things in the moment when they have these pride mm-hmm. nights. And then... These players who want to, who want to, you know, cause a kerfuffle. But the reality is, like, that's such a minor blip. Like they com- they created so much more commotion by getting rid of these theme nights than they ever would have having any of them. Yeah, to to me, I mean, they were they were they were nice nights. I mean, people liked the jerseys. I mean, you saw the pride tape. It was it was. It was nice, and there's always going to be be people who don't, you know, some people who don't like it. But um, I'm glad it's back. I, I, I am, and, and and good on Travis uh, Dermott on Arizona for for just he, he put some on a stick. It caught everyone's attention, and and you know whatever. Two three days later, it's back. And they had some. They had some. NHL had some some big name guys come out in support of Pride Night as well. Yeah, they have, and I mean, I mean, like before the se- this season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Connor McDavid was talking about it last week or the week before. Vaguely, he was one of the f- he he didn't deny it, but it wasn't like uh, he's pounding his not like Travis Dermott. But um, but he could he could have just punted on the whole situation, and he didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, it was good of him to, to say what he said, um, in my opinion. But I mean, he. Um, you know, some guys have stood up, and I mean, Sabers. I mean, they've had a bunch, and, and they they've gone well. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm glad that players can express themselves if they want. I mean, the the NHL needs as many eyeballs on their product as they can. They can't afford to to not be inclusive. And this this isn't just an NHL thing. Like the the. Some of these leagues are just ridiculous with some of their uniform rules and things like that. Like like the NFL, the fine for an improper logo is the same amount as a hit on a defenseless player. Improper logo on what? On a uniform. So like the 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 second offense for an unauthorized logo used by by an NFL player in a game is twenty one thousand eight hundred eighty five dollars. What's what's it like an, an equipment unauthorized logo? Like you're using like a like a, a, a yeah like a logo like on a wristband oh, or I, I thought uh, I thought if it what you could wear equipment that isn't um, league sponsored or whatever, but. You couldn't show the logo. I thought, like, right. like if you don't, if you want to wear a non-Riddell helmet or something, right? Or well, whatever it like is. it used to be, like, um, well, for a while they just had like their NFL equipment logo was right. the logo for everything, and they've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. But like, you're not going to see like a guy wearing Under Armour wristbands, right? Stuff like that. But like, a logo is the same is the same fine for a hit on a defensive player, defenseless player. Uh, 
it's the same as a blindside block, the same as roughing the passer, the same as a leg whip, the same as a horse collar tackle. Oh, my. More than striking, kicking, or kneeing a player. A second offense. Really? Like, so, I mean, it, it's it's pretty ridiculous, some of this uniform stuff that they... Now, I think the NFL used to be pretty pretty rigid with their uniform stuff in terms of you have everybody wears the same socks and things like that i think they they've kind of gotten away from it like and stuff like that but man (laughs) that's that's uh it's a it's a it's a tough deal to to swallow when you look at some of those you know really dangerous hits that are the same as a as a uniform infraction yeah i hear you I, i i don't disagree it's a little it's a little odd all right, Nick. Episode eight is complete. Uh, lots to talk about next week. A Bills win over the Buccaneers, perhaps. Perhaps Buffalonians will be able to step uh, step away from the ledge a little bit the next time we chat. Some more Sabres games, as I said. Uh, Devils are very good. Colorado's, you know, one of the league's heavyweights too. So, Lindy more- Ruff. That's right. Recently extended man. He's mm-hmm. got new life. Well-deserved extension, too. Um, but so, the, I mean, the Sabres, a couple really tough, tough games. So we'll have a lot to talk about. So that's episode eight of Buffalo Press Box. Nick, thanks. thank you. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, email us at buffalopressbox at gmail.com if there's something you want us to talk about. And uh, we'll bring it up. So thank you, and we'll see you soon.